Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. A threshold, a point of entry, a a dividing line between two dimensions, if you please. A starting point, a brink or a break point, as many would call it. A point of beginning in one region and an ending of another. A threshold. I want to turn your attention to the book of John, chapter 1. In the book of John, chapter 1, Jesus is introducing the concept of threshold. Before we get to the book of John, let's throw in a little uh, astrophysics, shall we, just for the fun of it, right? On the periphery of what is known as a black hole, uh, in essence, a force, probably one of the most powerful forces recognized in the universe, aside from God, of course. But on the edges of this black hole, this intense energy that swallows and draws things in, is a band that, uh, and, and when I say a band, I mean a ring, not the Beatles, but a ring, a band of power that surrounds the periphery of this black hole, and it is called the point of no return. There's a lot of power compacted inside of this space in the universe, but while you're on the outside of it, you could choose whether or not you enter. But once you pass the threshold, you enter into an arena beyond what scientists can describe. It draws you in, and I heard the Lord saying, I'm ready to take folk in past the threshold, the point of no return. Let me tell you, and I'll read you a couple of scriptures here and tell you the reason that Jesus did some of the things that he did. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 19. This is the record of John Baptist when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, said, I am not the Christ. They asked him, are you Elijah? Are you one of the other prophets? And he answered, I am not. Well, then who are you? So that we could give an answer as to your identity. He answers, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and make it straight as spoken by the prophets. And they went. And those who were sent to the Pharisees asked him, then why are you baptizing here if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah or you're not a prophet? And John said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you are not familiar with. And by the way, he was talking to religious people. And what a shame that the religious folk were not familiar with the very God that instituted what they believed. Well, that's that's being shut out of your own church, isn't it? John continued to say, he, although he comes after me, he is preferred before me. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Verse 28, all of these things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. You can be seated on your way down. Why don't you just shout to the Lord one more time and say, thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity. How many want to go somewhere in Jesus tonight? If you do, and you're really hungry, you're going to have to deal with thresholds. You're going to have to deal with boundaries. Matter of fact, as Jesus was entering into his ministry in public display, one occasion John records 
Now the city of Samaria, to which there was a great division, a rift between the Jews and the Samaritans and the people of that region, a rift that had existed for hundreds of years. By the time that Christ dwelt among humanity, no one could explain to you why that social divide was there. It was just there. Jesus on one particular day, although for generations, when they would travel to that region, the Jews would go miles out of their way to go around Samaria. John records on a day when Jesus said, today I'm going through. Today I'm going to deal with threshold. Today I'm going to deal with boundaries because as Messiah, as the great template as the pattern setter he knew there was a woman sitting at Jacob's well beyond that boundary and there was a revival waiting there but someone had to pass the threshold so he was willing not to allow people or social conditions or political situations or religious preferences to hinder him from passing through threshold Hold. If you read the rest of the account, you'll find a great revival broke out in that region there because Jesus passed through the threshold, the boundary. If you want to go anywhere with God, you're going to deal with boundaries. You're going to pass from comfort to discomfort. Some people are mistaken that the modern church is for our convenience and comfort, which is why more people have died spiritually sitting on a pew than will ever have died out in the world because they are comfortable with where they are. But there's a generation that is rising among us hearing the call of God and we are hungry to go somewhere with him and to be changed and we can hear him tonight saying come with me beyond the threshold I want to take you somewhere and show you something the spirit of the Lord is calling somebody's tonight to walk in a miracle, to walk in a literal modern day miracle. God wants to do something in your house, in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood. And all he needs is one person tonight to cross over the threshold. I wish I could get somebody hungry enough to say, God, let me go there. God, let me go there and don't let me be intimidated. You're always going to deal with boundaries and borders and oppositions when you're moving in spiritual dimensions but understand that in the divine these are not borders they're bridges to greater things so don't be intimidated and don't be frustrated or nervous at what may be going on or unfolding in your life with the uneasiness god is calling you to next level stuff and I've sensed strongly that the Spirit of the Lord is positioning our church in this region. And he's raising up leaders and he is anointing people. In this uh, hour tonight of ministry, there is going to be a special touch of God, a release of anointing come from the throne room as people pass the threshold. I must get there. I must allow God to position me so that I can receive what he has for me. Otherwise, all we have done is gather in a building tonight. I didn't come here to hang out tonight. I want God to alter my being so that I can be more like him. Are you anybody hungry for that? Lift your voice to God and just cry out to him a moment and say, Jesus, take me there. It's not coincidental in John that God placed John Baptist right in the middle of the Jordan River. It is not coincidental, but it's divine positioning that God would take this wild man who dressed funny and ate funny stuff and acted differently than everyone else around him. It is not coincidental that God placed him where he placed him as recorded in the text. All of these things were done in Bethabara beyond or on the other side of the Jordan River from where the rabbis and the scholars and the casual folk were standing.
If you look back to Israel's history and Old Testament history, you will find that every time the people of God or individuals ever receive something from the miraculous, they were called over a boundary or a threshold. Most often that boundary would be a body of water. And that is significant concerning the plan of God. Because it's how we move from one dimension into another. You might remember the story of Moses. Technically, they could have walked the shoreline of the Red Sea. Technically. But God said, I ain't calling you to walk around thresholds. I'm calling you to walk through thresholds. So he took this old, beaten up, battered senior citizen and put him in front of the body of water with three and a half plus million people standing behind him who did not support him. And Moses said, sir, I have nothing to work with. And God said, let's not talk about what you don't have. Let's talk about what you do have. All I need you. Now, Charlton Heston or Brother Charlton Heston, however you call him, in his version of what happened, he holds up a staff and the wind begins to blow and the waters part. But the rabbinical study of that situation and the reading of the literal text simply means that God called Moses to hold up the only thing he had, which was himself. And as he stretches his hand out, and the rabbis say that the moment that Moses moved toward the water and touched the water, it moved for him. It was divine saying, if you go, I'm with you. If you go, I've prepared a place. But it was God calling Moses and his generation to deal with threshold. You'll find out that as God was preparing Jacob, our forefathers, that on the night he thought his brother was chasing him. He thought his brother hated him. He thought they were coming after him to kill him. He thought his past was catching up with him and that it was over. He thought. But on one particular night... In Genesis chapter uh, 28 and again in Genesis chapter 32 when he crosses over this what the Bible calls a raging torrent of water. He crosses over in the midnight hour and it is significant again it's a body of water. He called Noah and his generation and how did he prove them? Through water. Now, we've learned this because during the time of bondage in Egypt, where the children of Israel spent 400 and something years, we learned that the system of worship in Egypt, every little thing had a God. The trees, the clouds, the sky, the sun, the moon, etc., and the water. Now, if you recall the story of Moses, during the time of the mass genocide... The mass killing of babies. They were throwing them into the river. Why? Because they were feeding the God of convenience. They were feeding the God of the Nile. The God of the water. Now the Hebrews lost a lot of kids to the water. And so Moses is a unique story because he is lifted up and he is spared. But it's significant that the Hebrews mentally were reminded that water reminded them of their failures, their bondage, their destruction, and things that they had no control over. So you will find for millennia they would not deal with water. Which is why every time God wanted them to move into another dimension, he would call them over a body of water. It was a threshold. Water represented that thing, uh, that, that substance of which they had no control over. They weren't comfortable with it. It was not something that they were familiar with. I could tell you story after story or biblical account after biblical account. How many of y'all remember Naaman? The great leader, Naaman, a great proficient king. He was sickly, and the prophet heard about it. And Naaman, a well-educated man, highly influential, a spiritual man of a sort in his arena anyhow, 
And he was sickly. He was dying of his disease. And so the prophet said, I'll tell you what, let's do. See, Naaman had an ego as big as Texas and then some. No offense to my folk from Texas, okay? But Naaman had an ego. So the prophet said, I'll tell you what let's do, Naaman, because you're thinking in an old way, and God's wanting to do a new thing. So I want you to go to the Jordan River. You want me to what? And you read it. You read the story. He's upset. The prophet could just come and give me one of those 1995 prayer cloths and just tell me to go home and lay on it. Instead, the prophet said, you get down in the water, the muddy Jordan River. You get down. And so I'm sure it took Naaman a while to process this. And then right as he thinks, all right, I'm going to do, do this once, but I want guards all around me so no people can see me making a fool out of myself, okay? And the prophet said, oh, by the way, I want you to go down seven times. What is he doing? I want you to deal with the thing that you have no power over. I want you to confront the thing that has kept you from the miraculous. I want you to confront the thing that has kept you from moving onward. See, the Jordan River and all of it stirring up, it's always muddy. You cannot see the bottom of it. You can tell if it's three inches deep or 30 feet deep at places because it's always stirred up. See, we like to have things figured out. Where's all my analytical folk? You don't have to publicly confess it, but thank you, my dear brother. Where's all my control freaks? Yes, yeah, get real quiet, and they're like, Pastor... Because I got, I need to know how many of y'all's prayer meetings go like this. I need to know what you're doing, Lord. Yeah. If you just let me know, let me tell you. If he let you know, you'd wreck the whole thing. But I need direction. He said, "I know you need direction. That's why I just need to shut up and give me the wheel. Just, just let me handle this." But see, we 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 are that people. We like to have control and the, the, the arena that God is pressing and calling us into. We got to let go of control because he wants to work the miraculous and he cannot work miracles as long as you're sitting there still trying to figure this thing out and still trying to hold on to it. Muddy old Jordan River. There's a story of a, a young prophet, a Bible school student. They were building. Remember that story where they're building up the school of the prophets and a young student is there, and the Bible said he borrowed a hatchet. That's noble. So he borrows the hatchet, and he's down at the river, and he's he's doing Bible school work. Bless his heart. He's doing Bible school work, and the Bible says the hatchet head flew off into the water. We call that an accident. Okay? So it flew off into water. Now it gets weird. Now he turned around, and I'm going to quote you the story, because he turned around and says, Alas, master, the hatchet head has flown off into the river. If I'm the foreman of a project and somebody's hatchet falls off into the river, my response to that is, you know what? I'm busy doing my own thing. Get down there and find it. But he's so overwhelmed. Master, my hatchet head flew off. Your boss would say, well, then go get it. But he didn't want to deal with what he couldn't control. He didn't want to deal with what he felt like he had no power over. Because it was in his blood. I've never dealt with this before, so I'm not comfortable. I'd rather just cry about it and claim victim and go home. So the prophet took him to the water. He said, I want you to show me right where it fell. We're not talking in generalization. I love how people, that, and a lot of times they'll do this, brother, pray for me. What can I pray for? It's just a lot of things. <laughs> well, my God, how long are we going to stand here? They, or, or, or pastoral counseling, that's always fun. Because you put it on the calendar about three weeks in advance, and then you bring them in here, we're talking. What, what can we talk about? Well, there's just some stuff. And it's like, you know, it's things. And like, it's just 
all this stuff. And you said, I've had people drive me more crazy sitting in a session trying to help them out of crazy. It's like generalizations. God can't fix it if you ain't willing to go there. But we don't want to admit that we're scarred or that we're flawed or that we're offended or that we're living below our potential. So we'd rather use generalizations because we hate looking stupid. Well, guess what? Grail of vase lifted. We're all a bunch of ignorant mess. So we ought to just throw it aside right now and say, I don't have it all together. I'm not going to have it all together. But the only way I'm going to get help is to take God right to the point where it hurt the most. If I need a healing, don't leave the prophets to try to read your mail for heaven's sake. Tell them what you need healing. Need deliverance getting quiet in here because y'all getting nervous. Because you're like, he needs to call me out and... So the prophet said, where? Show me right where it fell in. In prefiguring the cross of Calvary, he breaks a stick off the tree. And he stretches it toward the water where that generation was afraid to go. He said, you ain't ready for the threshold, but I am. And he stretched the little piece of stick toward the water and the axe head floated. A literal tangible miracle i'm telling you right now if you will quit hiding what you've been through if you quit hiding all of this stuff and trying to bury it let me tell you something some people get religiously busy they get busy in the church so be careful ministry because they start wanting to do the work of god to try to distract your attention from what's really going on take them to the place where it needed fixed Take them to the play. Getting quiet in here because I'm telling you, we're going somewhere. We're crossing threshold. We ain't playing where we're fixing to walk into. There's miraculous just waiting to unfold in your life. So instead of getting so busy to try to distract or what we call deflection. It's so quiet in here. Y'all are like, you can hear sweat dripping like. Deflection. And it works like this. I'm just going to, can I do it? Is it okay? And so what happens is uh, people deflect because they're like, they pretend like they're really spiritual. Oh, pray for Sister Sosa. So I heard she'd been going through. And, oh, pray, and they're always praying for somebody else. And I don't mean that everybody who's praying for somebody else is trying to deflect, but it happens. Because what they try to do is distract attention from their own. And then when they start praying, they're not really praying unto God. They're actually launching out pain. And they're speaking it into the atmosphere. And they wonder why there's constant destruction. Threshold. When I came in this thing, and I'm, I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. I had somebody tell me a few years ago, you must be like fifth generation Pentecost. I'm like, uh, I'm half generation and been in it about 20 minutes. <laughs> but you flow in God so, so easily. I'm like, mm, that's debatable. But what's not debatable is the night he rescued me. That's what's not debatable. And when he rest, I took him right, I showed him, I am a, the biggest mess you've ever heard of. I come from a family, the biggest mess you've ever heard of. Half my kinfolk picture is still on the wall at the post office. I come from a mess, all kind of confusion, all kind of immorality, all kind of everything that you could think of. I've got nothing. But when I came to God and said, this is what you got to work with. We are a jacked up mess. This is what you, he said, will you let me? Well, yeah, I'll let you, but man, that's a bold move. He said, good. If you'll let me, and if you'll not be afraid, well, I have nothing to be afraid of because I'm just, this is it. This is all you get. But if you will allow God into the deepest, painful, most vulnerable places of your life, you're facing a deal with threshold. I want you to lift your hands right now because there's healing happening for some folks right now. Uncover it and just say, God, I confess it to you. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Mm. Mm. Mm. Physicists call it the periphery of a black hole, an event horizon. It's a horizon into new arenas that they cannot and have not figured out because it's past their figuring. And the Lord said, that's why I want to bring my church past the point of figuring into miracles, into wholeness, into deliverance. And I want them to bring it into their homes and I want them to bring it into their communities and I will make it a land of flourishing and healing. I heard the Lord say about this church two days ago. He said, they have prayed, enlarged the place of their territory, and so I am enlarging, not the cords of the tent, but I am enlarging their footprints. And I will allow them to minister in areas that they had not anticipated. And I will use them and mighty among them who thought that they were insignificant. I will make them mighty for my glory. This is the moment that happens. Genesis 32. Jacob. Oh, wrestling Jacob. He thinks. Everybody say, he thinks. Point at your neighbor saying, you think too. And then say, and that's half your problem right there. You think too much. So Jacob thought, my brother's after me, fixing to kill me. They're going to burn my house. Thought, Have you all ever done that? I'm so good at that. My wife is like, call off the dogs, man. You... <laughs> It is. It's like one little thing, and I go into it like escalation. Like, I can see where this is going. Oh, I know where this is going. I've got, I've got it all figured out. I've seen this before. And then God's like, hey, bring it back in. Jacob had it all figured out. They're after me. So he puts his family, family over here, the family over there. And he goes over this raging stream in the dark of the midnight. You know the story, maybe some of you. The story is the time where he wrestled, and the Bible said he wrestled there an angel. But then specifically, as the light breaks upon the situation, it's not just an angel, it's the Lord. Now let's put that together, because this gets really big, okay? So then, uh, as you read the story, you find out the wrestling match lasts all night. And then it's the Lord. Now, I don't know how many Bible scholars are in the house. But have you ever considered how long a wrestling match between you and God would last? I tend to lean toward the in the twinkling of an eye. So, so the great debate is, why did God let it last? He wrestled all night now why did he because he could have flattened that joker like now all night big question great answer see uh as the rabbis tell it the reason god permits that the wrestling match lasts all night is because it's not about the character of god it's about the character of jacob and so God, Jacob, he didn't have his cell phone, so he couldn't flip a light on to find out. He was here. He had nothing. It was dark, which meant he had no control. He was vulnerable, and he wrestled there 
until the break of day. Now, the rabbis say the reason it lasts all night is, one, because it's about his character, and two, God dresses up, in essence, or sets himself in the size of a wrestling match person or partner that's as tall as Jacob, wide as Jacob, fast as Jacob, quick as Jacob, smart as Jacob. God dresses up like Jacob, in essence, and says, now, Bubba, when you can get over yourself, there's some things coming at sunrise that I'd like to show you. So it's about you and I now. It's about our character. It's about the things that God wants to do. But our biggest enemy, and maybe I have told you this before. I teach it uh, a lot of times in, in uh, student seminars. We talk like today we're going to talk about casting out devils. And all the students are like, oh, this is so good. This is going to be so cool. And they're getting ready to take notes. And here's how it works. Get you a mirror. (laughs) And set it right in front of you. And say, I adjure thee by the name of Jesus Christ. Get thee behind me. You are the biggest devil you'll ever deal with. So how did God allow Jacob to prevail? Because God wanted to fix Jacob and turn him from the trickster and the game player and the mess up into somebody that could walk with him and have power with him. How did that happen? Well, he crossed over the water to get there. That was God proving, saying, oh, Jacob, you weren't afraid of the water. Well, if you can get over that, there's places you can go in me. I want to walk into those arenas and not have my past condemning me and not having my apparent or supposed failures constantly breathing into my life. But I want to pass threshold and allow God to do some things in my life. So here's old John Baptist down at the river. And unfortunately, there's a whole set in the religious world on one side of the river who was afraid to deal with the water. They wouldn't go in it. Matter of fact, they sent religious people to lean over the banks. Ew, don't get your feet in it. But ask him, hey. And you know what's amazing about that that book of John is that religious people were too lazy to get in and ask for themselves, so they sent other people. Yeah. Wonder what would happen if one of them would have, wait in the water. I wonder what would have happened, but they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't deal with it. So John's having this conversation, and by the way, the end of that conversation is, oh, looky here yonder, who's coming over the hill. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But you can't get that kind of a revelation when you're afraid to get into the water. You you can't know God and you can't know the things that there are to be known of him while you're hanging out in your traditional, comfortable, casual arena. God said, I want you to deal with threshold and he's calling his church and he's calling his people to say, I am not going to allow these things to hold me any longer. I've confessed this before. I'm an introvert by nature, a brutal introvert by nature. Why do you think after service I run and hide? Right? And so the scariest thing for me is get up and do something. And yet at the same time, there's something in my spirit that rises up and says, I ain't afraid of this. And I ain't afraid of whatever God might do because He's able. He's able. And, And I have stepped out. I have stepped out sometimes. And I have allowed God to say, I, I was in uh, uh, Ukraine one time uh, several years ago, and it was in the middle of drought. And they didn't even want me preaching, and that was really nice. Uh, and the lady that was my interpreter, she, she leans over and said, we don't believe anything that y'all are saying, just so you know. So you might want to hurry. And that's encouraging. And then, and so I, I thought, I came here for the glory of God. And he said, well, then let me handle this. And the Lord said, if you'll say it, I'll back you up. And I thought, what is the most dramatic thing? Yeah. And like, 
I'm going to be able to back it up. And they're in the middle of drought. And the Spirit of God said, if you'll say it, I'll do it. Okay. Elijah was a man just like we are. And I said, y'all have been in drought. And the crops are failing. And they all said, da, da, da. I mean, I mean, that's the pravda, pravda. True, it's true. Okay. Then thus saith the Lord. It's going to rain. And it's going to rain and fill all of these dry valleys. And fill, it's going to rain. We video documented it when we left the tabernacle. And by the way, suddenly there's this eruption of God's presence. There was a deaf boy sitting on the front row. And, and his mama said, oh, Slava Bogo. Only solution. He can hear. He can hear. Suddenly his ears popped open. And then somebody else over here said, whoa. They stood up and threw down a crutch and this one. And all of a sudden God said, now you get out of the way and let me do my thing. I just needed you to step in and just cross the threshold just one time. I wonder what would happen. Can you feel God? I wonder what would happen in your family. And in your ministry, because some of y'all are comfortable, I'm glad you're serving God. But he said, there's a next thing I want to do. And tonight, I'm calling you past threshold. Can you see Jesus? Uh, The Bible said he often crossed over Jordan to go to prayer. Right? He often did that. Now, there are prayer places on either side. You don't have to cross over. But just just go with me. Can you see him at the midnight hour? Just make sure nobody's around. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's walking across. Just practicing. Just taking dominion. And then one night, the disciples are on, on a boat ride across the lake. And he said to them, let's go to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. No problem. Until they get to the middle of the lake there, and a storm starts happening. What happens? Well, the disciples get scared because they're trying to figure it out. And the first one to rise up is the great theologian, Peter. Lord, we're going to die. So the king of life eternal. But we're going to die. God said, you ain't going to die. Another story. They're on the lake, and John's out there, and here comes Jesus. And John said, there is a ghost. Do you all see that? There is a ghost. Oh, wait a minute. That's not a ghost. And here the storm's raging. And the apostle Peter said, if that's really you, let me come. Oh, we both can do this, deal with the threshold thing, no problem thing is you got to get over yourself yeah and so he's just fix your eyes on me and he allows peter to walk on the water for a second until peter starts trying to reason things out and the rest of the story is he didn't fare so well jesus did jesus conquers the threshold when they cross over the lake on the other side, they get to the land or the village of the Gadarenes, and it was there, there were demons waiting, who when he touched the shoreline, they came running and said, have you come to destroy us and torment us before it's time? Knowing this must be Messiah, because no one has ever broken threshold but him. This must be something supernatural because they have just passed over a supernatural boundary that we thought we had people locked into. But Jesus said it like this, greater things than these you will do. And he teaches us and gives us the power to conquer threshold. And walk into arenas. Some of our worship experience has suffered over the last two years because of what has happened in the earth. Some of us mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it might be, have suffered. And God said, threshold, if you'll cross over, I'm 
asking you. I'm imploring you. I'm begging you. If you cross over, there are things to be seen there. Don't worry about being intimidated. Don't worry about uh, your fears. Don't worry about your inability or your sins or everything that you're reminded. One rabbi said the reason the Hebrews did not want to deal with the water is because it reminded them of all of their sins and how they were destroyed in the days of Noah because of their sin. But Christ, the big forgiveness of all sin, the eradicator of all sin has conquered the way. And you and I can cross over the threshold, the dividing line, and break the boundaries of the world before us and move into the things of heaven. It was on the day that that Israel took possession of the promised land. And when they took possession of the promised land, the Bible said the banks of the Jordan River were flooded well beyond flood stage. Don't you know when you're getting ready to do something spiritual, hell's going to unleash all of its fury and make it intimidating. So Joshua, God picks Joshua. Matter of fact, it reads like this in the book of Joshua, and I'm fixing to land the plane, so hang on. And God, uh, the reason he picks Joshua, and God says it like this. He said, Moses is dead. And if you read it, it's a plain statement. Like, he doesn't even say he's passed away. He doesn't say he's deceased or he has left us on such a day. God says, Moses is dead. It's over with. That generation is gone. Moses represents the law and the reasoning of the law. And the the Bible said, Jesus said, the law by itself kills, but the spirit brings life now joshua introduces a spiritual generation why did god choose joshua because it was joshua of whom the bible said he would not ever leave the tabernacle he stayed there and prayed all night he stayed there for every study he let the tabernacle be his central reference point in his life or specifically the presence of god now let me tell you something. We're getting ready to walk in the miraculous and the kind of people that will be successful are the people that will make the presence of God their abode. That will be your point of reference, not social media, not world media, not social society and the cultures of the world around us, but the presence of God. And God said, I will use a generation of people who said, I just want to be in the presence of God. He said, I will use them to deliver nations. I will use them to deliver their family. Threshold. Somebody shout, Jesus, take me there. Take me there. So Joshua is getting ready to call them across the Jordan River. And when he does, he calls for the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. And he calls for the priesthood, which represents the fivefold ministry and the government of God. Thank God that you've got spiritual leadership here that has in order gifts and offices and gifts of operations and leadership. God is doing something strategically through the church. And God is saying we are fixing to cross a threshold in this region that has never been crossed before because there's been one divide after another, one point of confusion after another. But God said I'm going to use this church to break those areas. I'm going to use this people to break these family curses. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Some of y'all tonight, you're living out a family curse. You're living out generations of darkness. And the only way to break it is to cross the threshold and say, I am not my daddy's son of this world, but I have been born again of new blood and I'm crossing over tonight. And I'm going to be free tonight. And I'm going to shout tonight. And I'm going to be whole tonight. And I'm going to be delivered tonight. People don't want to deal with generational curses because they get nervous. They get offended. And it is sketchy territory. Not for the faint of heart. One night, and don't do this at home, uh, but I was in a meeting. I felt what I'm feeling right now. And I went up to these two young men and I went and prayed for them in the altar. As I began to pray for them, I said, God, I want you to release them from generations of darkness. Now, God help. What I didn't know 
is that their great-granddaddy was a pioneer in this part of the country, in the movement. Oh, Jesus. Break the generational bondage so that these young men can be free. And they're weeping before God. And you can see them. And then their parents come in to pray for them. And they do the Pentecostal, like, like I'm praying for them. And they do that thing like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh. And, they got, and then they uh, hover over the kids like, oh, you hear the daddy praying, God, 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 God. And he's praying just a bunch of nonsense. Well, something in me was a little upset. So I reached around them. And I thought, well, maybe they ain't getting this. So I prayed again. God, if you'll set these young men free, there will be generations that will be broken free. But people get nervous. You talking about me? You talking about my family? You talking about, and, and it's tough because there's things that we don't want to reckon with. It's uncomfortable. I'll shorten the story a bit. I prayed, and those boys, they were just lost in the Holy Ghost all night. The next night, I kid you not, and don't ever ask me where this was. I kid you not. I come to the service, came late, and I'm I'm got my Bible and I'm coming in in Jesus' name. And there's two guys waiting out in the parking lot, and one of them's a daddy. And he says, "Son, let me tell you something. Do you know who I am?" And I'm just me. And I said, "Hey, brother, God bless you. I don't think so, really, uh, but good to meet you. God bless you." And, he's, and, and so he's like, let me tell you, you prayed with my boys last night. Yes, sir, I did. Wow, what a, he's, let, me, let me stop it right there. You mind explaining to me what those generational curses are that you talk about? And I thought, okay, let's do the recall here. We'll all be praying. And, he, and I said, you know what, brother, I will be glad to meet with you and with the pastor and talk through the specifics of what that means, uh, but it's about time for church. And he said, you may not make it in the building, boy. And I thought, okay, then. <laughs> Woo, all right. And he said, he threatened, he threatened me bodily harm, which is why guys like you are so great close by. Stay right there. And uh, he threatened me bodily harm. And he said, you ever do anything like that again? He said, I'll find you and hunt you down. And I just said, God bless you. Have a good night. Uh, I went in the office. Well, then his, and turns out, God, it was a mess, bro. And it turns out several of the kinfolk were involved in strategic positions in the church. So that worked out really well. Because the meeting went on for three or four days. And the pastor came to me and, and he said, uh, brother, um, there was something, and I'm like, oh, I, I know. And he said, well, they may not be here tomorrow night, uh, but don't let that offend you. I'm like, well, I didn't really do anything, but I won't. I won't, but I hate that. Well, they all said, we, ain't not a one of us coming. And they didn't show up for the next service. And they called it, we ain't coming. And so, and then, and then, surprise, surprise, they didn't invite me back for like two or three years. Because I'm a liability. They can only handle me like once every other. And I came. And I said, Pastor, now you're inviting me. And you remember. He said, I do remember. And I want to tell you something. He said, this family. And I won't go into detail. But he said, this family had kept this church so tied up in bondage. He said, you remember those two boys you prayed for a couple years ago? Yeah, I about got whooped for them. I remember them. Both of them are pastoring, student pastor in this church, student pastor in this church. And he said they equate it to the night, that service. So then I'm like, oh, okay. But I didn't know that for two years. God was just letting me hang over the abyss for two years. But I, I tell you that to tell you this. You can never allow yourself. You can never allow your past. You can never allow your credentials or lack thereof to be the determinant factor or your pedigree or lack thereof to be the determinant factor because God will make somebody out of anybody who will cross the threshold. He's not looking for a number. 
He's not looking for an idea. If you're ready, he's going to take you places you never thought your ministry would go. If you're ready, he's going to take you places in the Holy Ghost you never thought you'd go. Threshold. If you're ready, he's going to take you places in your community you never thought you'd be able to go. God, I want to go there. I wish I could get somebody right now. I wish I could get somebody right now. I want that more than anything. I want it more than anything. And I'm tired of contending with mediocrity. And I'm tired of contending with fear. And I'm tired of contending with depression and anxiety. I am going to walk in the dimensions that God called me. Now I feel something trying to get loose in here. And has for the last several minutes trying to get loose in here. And God has said, I'm just waiting for that one person who will say, I'm crossing threshold tonight. I ain't holding out here any longer. I'm moving into this thing. You know what the Bible says? Because we're afraid to deal with that stuff. One of the favorite scriptures we always love to use. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. What are still waters? In literal terms, they're conquered waters. He's fixing to take me to places I never thought I would go. He's fixing to take hold of my life and thrust me into dimensions. I never thought I'd have the privilege of walking in but tonight he leads me beside stilled waters he crosses the great divide the demons come running and they bow down before him knowing whoever just crossed threshold is a threat to us and I'm telling you tonight, under the direction of God, we'll make this altar a threshold. You come up here quick as you can and say, I'm getting past all this stuff. I'm leaving it behind me. I'm going to walk into a glorious future. And all hell is going to reckon with the fact that God has just made breakthrough through your life. And as you walk up in this area, as you walk into this arena, please understand, this is a supernatural event. There's spiritual things being transacted here tonight right now so as you come with your hands lifted with your voice crying out say God I'm getting over this tonight my fears my reservation I'm plunging into the deep I'm plunging into greater I'm plunging into the vision I hear what God is saying and I want to be a part of it I want to be a resident of it This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.